This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. So what's on our plate today? Today we are sharing the story of potatoes. With Thanksgiving around the corner, what better topic to explore than the American national holiday's traditional side dish, potatoes? But potatoes aren't just popular here in the U.S. They're one of the world's most versatile and prominent food crops, in line behind wheat, corn, rice, and sugarcane. This is because they grow well in almost any condition of soil and can be cultivated anywhere from subtropical to freezing climates, from deserts near the Peruvian coast to the high altitudes of the Andean mountains, just to give one example. Hence, there are traditional potato dishes across the globe, far beyond the bowl of mashed potatoes and gravy at our Thanksgiving tables. Potatoes are in the nightshade family alongside tomatoes and peppers, and are botanically classified as selenum tuberosum. They are actually considered tubers, a starch rather than a vegetable. What's a tuber? It's the underground part of the plant stem that has swollen or thickened, and it is the only part of the plant that is eaten. There are about 200 wild species of potatoes that survive across a wide array of habitats. They also come in a variety of shapes, colors, and tastes, the skin ranging from brownish-white to deep red or purple, and the starchy flesh from white to yellow or even purple. The diversity of wild potato plants is a valuable resource for modern potato breeders, who can select for useful traits from taste and texture to the ability to resist disease. While there are hundreds of potato varieties worldwide, there are seven main types of potatoes. Russet, red, yellow, white, blue or purple, fingerling, and petite potatoes, each with unique characteristics and uses, all of which you can explore in detail by downloading the Specialty Produce app. Right now, let's jump back into the general history of this starchy staple. Potatoes are indigenous to the Andes Mountains in Peru, and it is thought that humans first domesticated the crop more than 6,000 years ago, sometime between 8,000 to 5,000 BCE. However, scientists believe wild potatoes were growing in the region as far back as 13,000 years ago. These areas were part of the Incan Empire, which was conquered by the Spanish in 1532 in search of gold. The Incas cultivated numerous species of potato, and the name is said to originate from the Spanish word patata, a combination of batata, sweet potato, and papa, the word for potato in the native Incan language. The Spanish took notice of the potato as a compact, long-lasting, and nutritious food source that fueled their enslaved gold miners with energy for a full day's work. The Spanish conquistadors brought potatoes home to Spain, along with tomatoes. From Spain, potatoes slowly spread to Italy and other European countries during the late 1500s, eventually making their way into Spain, Austria, Belgium, Holland, France, Switzerland, England, Germany, Portugal, and Ireland. But just like tomatoes, not everyone was thrilled about the new crop. Potatoes were used only as animal fodder or as a last resort for the starving. No one willingly wanted to eat such ugly, misshapen tubers, which were bitter when uncooked. And many feared potatoes, again, just like tomatoes, considering them poisonous, as they were classified in the same family as deadly nightshades. 
True, potatoes and tomatoes do contain the same toxic compounds notorious of the deadly nightshades. But the levels in domestic potatoes and tomatoes fall way, way short of being harmful. You'll have to go back to our episodes 19 through 21 to learn how the tomato overcame such stigmas. But as for the potato, agriculturalists slowly started to realize its power, as it could be grown pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Not only was it easier to grow than other staple crops like wheat, but it also became apparent that potatoes contain most of the vitamins needed for nourishment. In England, during the food shortages associated with the Revolutionary Wars, the English government began to officially encourage potato cultivation. A similar pattern of awareness and endorsement, perhaps inspired by sheer necessity, emerged elsewhere in Europe, although the potato did not achieve widespread acceptance until the late 1700s. In France, potatoes finally gained traction after receiving the royal seal of approval from King Louis XVI, who began to sport a potato flower in his buttonhole, and Marie Antoinette wore the purple potato blossom in her hair. Apparently, the concept of influencers has existed throughout our history, just with less speedy onboarding. The French started calling potatoes apples of the earth, while the Germans knew them as earth truffles. Frederick the Great of Prussia saw the potato's potential to feed his nation at a lower cost than that of wheat and bread, but he had to essentially trick his constituents into adopting the plant in their gardens. How? Well, he planted a royal field of potato plants with guards stationed around the fields to protect against thieves, giving the potato an appearance of value. So naturally, under the assumption that anything worth guarding was worth stealing, people began sneaking into the fields, or so they thought, and taking plants to grow in their own gardens which, of course, was Frederick's underlying goal. The British were then responsible for spreading the potato to India and China in the late 1600s, and around the same time, the potato plant appeared in Africa and Japan. They were introduced to New Zealand in the mid to late 1700s, where they were pretty quickly and easily adopted by the natives, who were already cultivating the unrelated sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are in a different family, and of course will have their own Plated Earth episode in the future. By the 1700s, potatoes were widely cultivated in Ireland, where the climate was very similar to the plant's native land in South America, moist, cloudy, and cool. Potatoes produced larger and more reliable yields than grains, and the Irish quickly adopted the potato as a staple in their diet, and it showed the Irish people started to grow bigger and stronger. The average Irish peasant ate up to 14 pounds of potatoes each day, offering good doses of protein, vitamins, and complex carbohydrates, and providing 80% of their caloric intake. In fact, the potato completely transformed the population pattern of Ireland. From 1780 to 1841, the Irish population doubled from 4 million to 8 million. In that time, there was no other significant change to their industry or agricultural techniques other than the widespread cultivation of the potato. The potato was so important to the Irish working class that the infamous potato famine in the 1840s was absolutely devastating. When they were hit by potato blight, a plant disease caused by a fungus, three years in a row, more than a million people died of starvation and disease as their main food staple disappeared, with one-eighth of the population along with it. The blight spread throughout Western Europe in 1845, and the highly infectious spores rode the moist winds during the unusually cool, overcast summers of 1845 through 1847. The famine left many poverty-stricken families with no choice but to emigrate out of Ireland with one and a half million people leaving their homeland for Canada and the United States. So in total, between those who died and those who fled, over a quarter of the Irish population was gone. The word devastating doesn't even seem like enough to capture the tragedy. 
The potato crops were revived only after collaborating European agriculturalists employed plant breeding programs based on potatoes that had survived the blight. In 1861, German mycologist Anton de Berry identified the fungus that caused the famine and arguably set the stage for future agricultural scientific study and genetics. So I started this episode off mentioning the importance of the potato in our upcoming American holiday, but when did potatoes actually make it to the New World? Well, first, the British brought the cultivated potato to Bermuda in 1613. And then, sometime around 1620, the British governor of the Bahamas sent a gift box of potatoes to the governor of the colony of Virginia. Potatoes spread throughout the northern colonies in small numbers, but once again, like their dear cousin the tomato, they did not gain the favor of the people until they were given the seal of approval by Thomas Jefferson, who served them to guests at the White House. Between Jefferson's endorsement and the steady stream of Irish immigrants, the potato slowly rose to popularity. They were first planted in Idaho in 1836, the state that grows about one quarter of the nation's potato crop today. It was Idaho resident Luther Burbank who developed the russet Burbank potato in 1872, which is a more disease-resistant version of the Irish russet potato. During the Alaskan Klondike gold rush in the late 1890s, potatoes were highly valued and sought after for their vitamin C. The phrase, worth their weight in gold, seems especially fitting here, especially, perhaps ironically, because gold was actually easier to come by than nutritious foods. Arguably one of the coolest additions to the potato's historical resume came in October 1995, when the potato became the first vegetable to be grown in space. I was not kidding when I said it could grow anywhere. NASA and the University of Wisconsin-Madison created the technology with the goal of feeding astronauts on long space voyages and eventually feeding future space colonies. Yes, I said future space colonies. Crazy. But for those of us back here on Earth, there are many ways to use this unassumingly powerful crop, and some of them are by no means new applications. Take instant potatoes. Contrary to popular belief, instant potatoes are real potatoes that have simply undergone a premium dehydration process. But the concept of dehydration is not at all revolutionary. The Incas, who were the first to cultivate potatoes, learned to preserve the potato for storage by dehydrating and mashing potatoes into a substance called chunu, C-H-U-N-U. It was a primitive method of freeze-drying that drives the moisture out of the potatoes, enabling them to be kept longer before rotting. How much longer? Chunu can be stored in a room for up to 10 years, the perfect plan B to combat possible crop failure. The process they used involved laying potatoes out on the ground overnight to freeze them, and then in the morning they would trample the potatoes with their feet, leaving them exposed to the sun to dry out. This process would be repeated three times, and voila, freeze-dried potatoes. There are modern freeze-drying methods used today, most popularly for camping trips and, of course, space travel. In addition to using potatoes for food, the Incas had many folk remedies involving potatoes, including treatments for burns, frostbite, scurvy, indigestion, blemishes, tumors, warts, and more. In the kitchen, potatoes can be baked, boiled, fried, stewed, mashed and roasted, made into hash browns, used in soups and potato salads, tossed into casseroles, and distilled into the alcoholic beverage vodka. They can also be ground into potato flour, which is used in baking and as a thickener for sauces. They are highly digestible and are an excellent source of vitamin C as well as a good source of protein, iron, fiber, and vitamin B6. Believe it or not, they are more energy-packed than any other popular vegetable and, with their skin, have even more potassium than a banana. Potassium is a mineral and an electrolyte essential for growth. 
It plays a vital role in the response of nerves to stimulation and in the contraction of muscles, including the heart muscle. It also helps maintain normal blood pressure. So go ahead and get that second serving of potatoes this Thanksgiving. Maybe just go easy on the additives, a.k.a. butter and salt. It is important to store your potatoes in a cool, dark, and dry spot to avoid shoot growth. If your potatoes sprout, be sure to cut these shoots before eating. Remember how those Europeans avoided potatoes, believing them to be poisonous? Well, they actually did have a basis for their suspicions. Nightshades do contain a bitter toxin called solanine, which is produced in the green parts of the potato, a.k.a. the leaves, the stem, and any green spots on the skin, which is why all other parts outside of the roots and tubers are discarded after harvest. The toxin develops as the plant's natural defense against insects, disease, and other predators, humans likely included. The potato is indeed the most common cause of solanine poisoning in humans. However, such occurrences are few and far between because commercial crops are screened for the toxin. Still, proper storage will help ensure that it doesn't develop, as any potato can build the toxin if exposed to light or stored improperly. If your potatoes are turning green, that's your sign that solanine is present. Not that the green color of the skin is the toxin. It's actually chlorophyll, the non-toxic natural response to being exposed to light. But the presence of chlorophyll itself is an indication of solanine buildup. If you eat enough of the green stuff, it can cause some serious side effects. Again, nowadays this is very rare, but still good to be aware of. And goes to show that maybe those superstitious Europeans weren't entirely unjustified in their fears. Often the highest concentration of solanine is in the peel, just below the surface and in the sprouted eyes, things that are typically removed in cooking preparation. A general rule for avoiding issues is to, first off, store properly to prevent any problems and not waste your wonderful potatoes. And secondly, if your potatoes turn green and sprouted, it's probably best not to eat them. As I said before, each type of potato, from russet to red to fingerling, has its own unique quirks, qualities, and applications. So don't be afraid to switch things up this holiday, or just any day, and try a new type, a new recipe, and a new tradition. How? Arm yourself by downloading the Specialty Produce app, then hit your local market. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specialty Produce app on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're on there, give us a follow at Plated Earth. As always, you can find more information, recipe ideas, and local market shares on the Specialty Produce app. Tune in next time for more food fables. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. We'll be right back.